Amen? Amen. Wonderful. All right, let's open our Bibles. Everybody say word. We are going to worship. We should get in the Bible, right? What do y'all think? We should get in the Bible? Yeah, that sounds biblical. All right, let's get into the Bible. Matthew chapter 7. Uh, now, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, uh, but there is no place in the entire country that can claim more foundation issues than the great state of Texas. Yeah! yeah. Everything's bigger in Texas, even our foundation issues. Uh, apparently, it's a combination of seasonal cycles. Uh, I don't know. This is what I'm told, right? Like poor, expansive clay soils that lead to our foundation problems, of which we have right now. You know, it's just awesome. Like walking outside of the house, I'm like, wow, that expanding joint is really expansive. Huh. I wonder what's causing that. Um, it's literally the soil on which we build our homes that eventually fails. Well, here's the deal. Just like our houses, our lives can be built on poor soil. And so this morning we are concluding our verse-by-verse study of the Sermon on the Mount. And really, as we, we're continuing our study through the Gospel of Matthew verse-by-verse, and, and what I want to do is since we are reaching the end of the Sermon on the Mount, I want to take us all the way back to where this sermon began, all the way back in Matthew chapter 5. We remember as the the close of chapter 4, we see the great crowds. Jesus had called his disciples to himself, and, and his fame had spread. And great crowds were following him. And as we open up Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, seeing the crowds... He, being Jesus, went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. That is the the proper posture of a disciple, to sit at Jesus' feet. And in verse 2, he opened his mouth and he taught them. What what follows is a a single sermon that Jesus preached on one single day on that windswept hill of the Sea of Galilee. Now, present that day, we were told there were two types of people. There were those who were described as the crowd and those who were disciples. And that word disciple, it means learner or student. You had the followers and the watchers. You had the spectators and and those who were in the game, which is is very true today. That no matter where you go uh, in the church on planet Earth, there will be those who are there to watch and to listen, but that's as far as it'll go. And then there are those who will be followers who come to sit at Jesus' feet to learn from him, to obey him. And so the very simple question that we are answering right from the beginning is, is which one are you? Who are you? As we've seen chapter 7, the conclusion of chapter 7 breaks up by twos, a series of twos as people are broken up into two categories— Right, there's two paths, one leading to life and the other leading to destruction. There are two types of trees, some that produce good fruit and others that produce diseased fruit. There's two professions, those who will cry out, Lord, Lord, to hear, I never knew you, and those who truly know the Lord who will hear, welcome into my kingdom. We looked at two professions last week, and now this morning, two different types of foundations. That is two distinct responses to the gospel. 
And we're going to be left asking the question, what foundation are we building our life on individually? And then really, what foundation are we building our family on? And what foundation are we building our church on? On the surface, things can be kind of deceiving. You know, like the nice manicured lawns and a couple of nice cars and vacations and afternoons at the lake. Bumping into people at Home Depot. How you doing? I'm doing good. How you doing? I'm doing good. How you doing? I'm doing good. Going into Walmart. How you doing? Terrible. Everybody, everybody's terrible at Walmart. <laughs> well, it turns out what, what will reveal the truth of what's actually happening beneath the surface are storms. Yeah. And in fact, we're promised storms. Big gnarly storms. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. We are first introduced to the wise builder. Everyone, this is anyone and everyone, then who hears the words of mine and does them. So this is a hearer and a doer, which will be con contrasted in a few minutes between the hearer and the don't-er. Mm -hmm. So the hearer does them, he'll be likened to a wise man. So here's the illustration, who built his house, i.e. literally his life, on the rock. And you can write there, right in the side in your Bible, Jesus. Jesus is the rock. This is the person who hears the words of Jesus and does them. That is, hearing Jesus with a, a posture of willingness to surrender life and will to the care of God. And what we discover is that Jesus and his teachings are the bedrock that a life can be built on. Jesus and his teachings are the bedrock that a life can be built on. And this is a very urgent discussion because if you haven't checked the spiritual forecast, storms are coming. In fact, many are upon us even now. Matthew 7, verse 25, we read, And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, but it did not fall. Why? Why did the house not fall? Because it had been founded and built on the rock. The illustration of a house where the builder did not just begin building a house on topsoil, but dug down deep to literal bedrock, set the forms of the foundation, and then began to build. And this house is, is hit with a catastrophic storm. This is, this is not a, a little drizzle or a small pile of standing water or a slight breeze. This is describing a violent and vicious storm. Slamming into a person's life, torrential rains, unexpected and catastrophic flooding, hurricane force winds bearing and beating against a person's life. Y'all, I don't know if you can relate to this, but sometimes this life feels just like a series of storms where one hits. And, and just with enough time to catch a breath, you look out on the horizon, and, and there's another storm. And in fact, some of these storms 
start to convince us that maybe we are going under for good. You know, it reminds me of the disciples who were out on the lake, and Jesus is in the boat. I love this story, you know. And Jesus is asleep on a pillow. And the storm is raging, and, and they wake Jesus up. We're going to die. Don't you care? We're perishing. I love it. Jesus, like, yawns, stretches. Oh, this, this, is, this little storm quiets wind and wave. Why are you scared? Well, the wind and the waves. Why are you scared? Don't you know what's happening overseas? Why are you scared? Well, the economy. Why are you scared? I got a report back from the... Why are you scared? Oh, you have little faith. Part of our faith journey is coming to discover who the Lord really is. Please hear this. The Christian life is not a life of storm-free living. There are too many false prophets preaching a false gospel of health and wealth and storm-free living. They are truly wolves in sheep's clothing, clouds with no rain, diseased trees producing diseased fruit only fit to be dug up and thrown into the fire. Sometimes we carry with us a false Jesus. That somehow with him in the boat, there will not be storms on the lake. There is no such thing. But we are promised that no matter the storms we face, no matter the crisis, no matter how crushing the circumstances, when our life is built on Jesus and his word, our life will not fall. Our very country may give way underneath our feet. As we are watching as our brothers and sisters in Ukraine are having literally their country ripped out from under them by wickedness. 70% It's estimated 70% of Ukraine Are Christ followers And as I I process that As I I think about that They may be losing everything Everything that, that seemed like their life But their life will stand in Christ Because it's true in architecture It is true in everyday living And it is true for eternity That a life built on Jesus will stand. That tells me that Jesus can be trusted. Jesus is faithful. He is the rock in the storm. He is our peace in the war. He is the calm in our chaos. He is the joy in our pain. He is the grace in our sin. He is the love in our wandering. He is the comfort in our suffering. Oh, weary Christian, I know you're exhausted. You're tired, frantically rowing against wind and waves on God's sovereign seas. Let go of the oars. Cast yourself upon the Lord because he can be trusted. That is the blessing of those who hear and who do. But there are so many 
who will hear Jesus' teaching, just like the crowds, they heard Jesus' teaching, and they will walk away, and they'll be don'ters. Jesus likens them to foolish builders. Matthew 7, 26, And everyone, that is anyone and everyone, who hears these words of mine and does not do them. And a distinct difference between hearers. This is who they'll be likened to a foolish man who built his house on sand. And when you say, when we read sand, what does that mean? Well, it's anything other than Jesus. It would be foolish for a builder to build a house in a floodplain on nothing but topsoil. This is the person that hears Jesus' teaching, rejects it, and goes it alone. So Jesus is showing us, he's like, there's hearers and there's hearers. There are hearers who hear and they're doers. And then there are hearers who hear and they're donors. Well, I don't do that. No, I'm not going to do that. No, I don't believe that. This tells me you can have the best teacher in the world, literally Jesus, You can have the best teaching in the world, literally Scripture. But if you're a donor, that word will have no benefit in your life other than to reveal the utter foolishness later on. I quote here from an author says this, Hearing sermons is dangerous business if one does not put them into practice. Boy, how often is that true? To hear a sermon, oh, that's for so-and-so. That's not for me. I wish they were here. They really needed Sunday's sermon. I don't think I agree with that. I found another teacher who told me something that I like a little bit better. You see, a person who rejects Jesus and his teaching will reject all wise counsel, no matter who the source is. We'll turn to the teaching of false prophets, we'll turn to worldly wisdom, or or worse, the philosophy of their own broken brain. I know this is going to sound a little critical, but our brains are broken. They just are. There's a way that seems like right to us, but it's death. You know, I remember one time we were down at the beach and we were sharing the gospel with with anybody who would listen. And there was this woman, she walked up and she had crystals in one hand and she had incense and these feathers. Feathers, man. She was waving these feathers around. And I was like, wow, hey, tell you about Jesus. You know, I'm sharing the gospel with her and, and what Jesus had done for her and how she could have eternal life. You know, and she looked at me and she just, real weird smile. She's like, I'll trust my feathers. Oh. And we laugh at that. But you know what? Trusting in anything other than Jesus is as foolish as trusting in feathers for your eternity. There is a way that seems right, but in the end, it is death. You need proof that our brains are broken? Look at TikTok. If that doesn't tell us that something's off with our brains, I don't know what will. 
You see, this is what we learn. You see, a fool will be faced with an option, but will still choose the unwise path. The fool will be faced with an option and be given an option and will still choose the unwise path. It's so often I hear people, you know, they, they tell me, I grew up in the church. You know, students, I want to say this. Be careful. Be careful how you frame your experience growing up. Because sometimes when, when adults, when they, when they grow up, they, they kind of grow up and they don't need the faith anymore. And they're like, oh, I got dragged to church every time the doors were open. And I'm like, what if Satan convinces you that everything you're learning right now is foolishness because he literally wants to destroy your soul and your life and the trajectory of your life? What if the enemy of your soul is after you? And what you need more than anything right now is what you're learning right now, that you have teachers who are faithfully opening the Word of God for you to give you a foundation to build your life on because this world, it lies and it steals and it kills and it destroys. And because we tangibly and truthfully love you, we drag you to church every time the doors are open. Because everybody can strut when the skies are sunny and things are going well and everyone's healthy and, and the bathing suit still fits all nice. But you know what? Cellulites are coming. <laughs> I just heard it's here. Ah, but the storms come, and that's where the foolishness is revealed. Look at this, Matthew 7, 27. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. That is why Jesus says, choose the narrow road because it leads to life. Don't choose the broad road because it leads to destruction. This, again, is not a description of a minor storm. This is not a light drizzle or a little standing water or a slight breeze. This is a violent and vicious storm. This tells us that storms are equal opportunity offenders. They hit believer and unbeliever alike. alike. But what differentiates the two is one group of people, they have a foundation that their life is built on that they can weather the storm, and the other group of people have no foundation and are unable to weather the storm. Sand is a foundation of a life built on anything other than Jesus. It's any other false religion or spiritually sick philosophy. It's the, the meanderings of the Hollywood weirdos and famous people whose lives are literally dumpster fires. And we're like, I want to be just like them. Just eating up their, their philosophy. I want to look like them. I want to sound like them. This is a life that's built on the self-help section of your local bookstore. 
I don't know how to live my life, so I'm going to go read a book written by somebody who doesn't know how to live their life either, but maybe that person who doesn't know how to live their life can tell me how to live my life. It's like defining who we are based upon a Google search. Or, or how to live my life based upon what that famous blogger said. This is framing our life around our addictions and our hidden coping mechanisms. And then the storm hits. And it's revealed almost immediately like, oh no. This thing's given way. Storms are some of the greatest blessings in our life. I know we hate them. Oh, we hate storms. We want a storm-free life. Come on, preacher, tell me that following Jesus will lead to a life where there'll be no storms. Uh, that's a fairy tale, y'all. But storms can be the greatest blessings in our life. You see, a storm can reveal that you have no foundation at all. It sends you looking for a life contractor, and that life contractor is Jesus, and you're like, Jesus, I need, something, I need my life built on something better. What it can reveal to the believer is, is oh no, I've been, I've been trying to build parts of my life on other things, and those things are giving way. I have to come back to absolute truth. I've wandered away from the church. I need to come back. But what we see here is the ultimate end. It's true in architecture, it's true in everyday living, and it is true for eternity. A life built on sand will not stand. And that is why John Stott, I love this quote, used to talk through this last week, but the time for decision has come. Nobody can make this decision for you. Students, your parents can't make this decision for you. Adults, this is not a decision your grandpa or grandma could make for you. Oh, they were so faithful. Will it be the kingdom of Satan or the kingdom of God? Will it be the prevailing culture or the Christian counterculture? What, or more importantly, who are you building your life on? Is it Jesus or something else? Eternity will be the final experience. Yeah. Build wisely. And it was interesting because that particular day as Jesus was teaching, the people were astounded. They were listening. They were like, he's talking like he's got authority. I mean, he's, he's speaking like he's the authority of heaven. Matthew chapter 7, verse 28, And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not one of their scribes. See, when the scribes taught, they, they quoted someone greater. They quoted uh, a respected rabbi. They quoted uh, some other Jewish writings, maybe scripture. But when Jesus taught, he quoted himself. I did that once in a paper in college. I'm pretty sure I told you all about this. Anyway, I'm writing a paper, 
and I couldn't find a quote that fit. So I made one up. And I inserted it in my paper, and I, I see Carol, I wrote next to the quote. I got the paper back, and my teacher read Sharpie, circled it, and wrote, did you just quote yourself? Question mark. You can't do that. Why? I mean, I know it's stupid. I, I get that's why she wrote that, because I was being dumb. Uh, but why? Because I'm not an authority. And you know what? When people quote themselves about what life is all about and who God is and who he isn't and what their purpose is in this existence and, oh, I'm going to live this life. I'm going to be the God of my own life. Here's the deal. You may quote yourself, but you ain't got the authority. Your life isn't yours. We are created beings under the authority of the creator. And we may not like the terms of the agreement, and I love how J. Vernon McGee said, well, then go get, make your own creation. Go make your own planet. This one happens to be the Lord's. And we just happen to be his created beings. And we are told in the scriptures that we are separated from God because of sin and death. We are living zombie. Spiritually dead apart from Christ. That is what, why Christ did what we were incapable of doing and powerless to do. That is why Christ, the sinless and perfect Son of God, was treated as the worst of sinners, suffered and died on the cross for our sins, was buried in the grave, and God rose him up from the grave so that all who place their faith in him will not perish but have everlasting life. For you who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, that is the gospel. For you who know the Lord Jesus Christ, do not forget the gospel that purchased you. Jesus is the authority. That is why in Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus says this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus has the authority to tell us what to believe how to live our life, how to operate in our marriages, how to parent. He has the authority to tell us how to be the church. Jesus has absolute authority to give orders. Hmm. So who is your authority? Who is the authority of your life? Please don't say you. We just make really pitiful gods. We need a greater authority. What foundation are you building your life on right now? And which one are you? Are you the crowd? Are you a hearer, not a doer? Or are you a disciple, sitting at his feet, hearing and doing? Lord, we thank you for this morning and our opportunity to worship you. We are invited into your very presence. That's crazy. Lord, I am a self-centered sin creature.
yet you call me saint. And I'm invited to your throne of grace and not judgment. Where I find help and healing in my time of need. And we are in a time of need. Our brothers and sisters are in a time of need. And Jesus, you say, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and you'll give us rest. Are you weary right now? Are you tired? Are you tired of being the God of your own life? Are you ready to lay your life down? For God so loved you, he gave his son, that if you will believe in him, he'll give you everlasting life. He will shepherd you and care for you and protect you and will usher you into eternity. Come to God. If you have wandered away, come back to the Father. Oh, and when you do, that wonderful robe, ring on your hand, let's party. My son or daughter was once dead, they're now alive. Welcome home. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. We need it every day. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, family, let's stand together and stretch. That was good, right? That's good stuff. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. Well, it's time to go into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Honor all men. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering and share the gospel. Love and serve the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all till we meet again. Same bat channel, same bat time. <laughs> and do not forget, family. Thank you. You are loved too. Now shine that love on each other and love the world. Amen? Have a great week. <laughs>